everybody. Welcome to another episode of Otterly Rad. This is a show where we talk about rad stuff for families of all shapes, kinds, and sorts, families, caretakers, and kids of all kinds. My name is Nathan, and my co-host is Haley. Hi! So today, we're going to dive in with sort of an initial look at a book and a zine that really kind of makes sense for us to talk about in the show because it has part of our name in it. And that's uh, Rad Dad. So Rad Dad is a uh, is an ongoing zine in the in the sort of traditional zine style, if you will, and it has been collected, or some of the stories have been collected into a book. The book came out, I want to say, originally in two thousand eleven. It's been a while. It's yeah, it has been a little while, and this is one that I actually purchased around the time that my wife was pregnant uh, because I thought it would be interesting to read looking forward to being a parent. Uh, and now that we, now that I am a parent uh, looking at some of them kind of gives me a different perspective, which is interesting, but we actually have talked about rad dad before, but then I ranted. <laughs> then, uh, well, it wasn't okay. <laughs> It is one of our lost episodes, not because you ranted, but because we had technical issues that just rendered it inoperable. Actually, no, <laughs> you ranted so much that you were, you didn't I even get broke recorded. Zencaster. You broke you broke our recording <laughs> tool. So anyway, so all the stuff that we talked about it previously has kind of been lost to history. But I think the place we ought to start is that we approach this book, I think, with a little bit of I don't know. Is caution the right word? I think so. I mean, both of us, both of us read this book independently before we ever actually mentioned it to each other. So I feel like in a way it's, it's a completely different way of approaching it for the podcast because, because we were both experiencing it just for ourselves. Um, But it is also probably a little bit more rad than either of us are in our lives. Would you say that that's accurate? Or, yeah, high, or I mean, am I the more vanilla, non-rad person of the two of us? <laughs> no, I, I think it's something that we'll bump into in this podcast fairly often is the fact that we enjoy talking about this stuff. There's a lot that we do dive into, but in our day-to-day lives, we are kind of, you know. I mean, we work for the man. Yeah, we yeah we work for the I have man. a .gov email address. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Um, oh, I do too, actually. What am I saying? Um, bless your heart. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's the South. We're seven. We're seven. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, you're right. I think it is good, though, for us to talk about stuff that is a bit outside of our own experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, this is a collection of... Uh, sort of essays, really, essays and stories from a variety of contributors, some of which I knew of before I read the book. People like Cory Doctorow, who is an author and one of the primary editors at Boing Boing, if you visit that website at all. He's well known in the technology world. Um, Ian Mackay, who was a founding member of Minor Threat and Fugazi and has done a lot in the sort of hardcore and punk movement, especially in D.C., but really all over the country. Um, you're going to say the, the person's name who we were talking about earlier, who I couldn't pronounce. Tanahashi Coates? Yes. Question mark? Upward inflection? <laughs> who was an author that I did not know 
when I read this, but now is a much more well-known uh, mm-hmm. author. The recent book was very popular now is dipping into comics and is all over the place online. And is just, it really sort of come into their own. So there's a variety of contributions um, in here and the topics really vary. And I think that's one of the places where we find ourselves a little, again, cautious into getting about talking about the book. Yeah. I would say parts of this book made me feel a little bit adrift and it's hard for me to criticize because these books or these essays talk so much about experiences that I do not have, will not have, do not wish to have. So Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a critique on those experiences, but just it's very, very difficult for me to read an essay about that sort of thing while trying to remain open-minded, but also being like, that is not something I agree with. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a very tricky thing to do. And I mean, I think that that's probably true for all of us when we read just about anything about parenting. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really stark in this type of book that takes a very hardcore stance on things. Well, and, and an example might be um, there are some essays that talk about education. And that one, I think, is challenging for us, especially in the kinds of jobs that we do and the kinds of backgrounds that we have. Yes, my, my parents were educators. I feel like I'm a different so brand of educator. <laughs> so <Yeah>. it's <laughs> really just visceral. Like, I feel like I had visceral reactions to things, even though those things may not actually be bad. Well, and I think part of it may be sometimes the way they're portrayed, right? So each author has their own voice. We're seeing things in a lot of different lights. And so I think that sometimes can come into play as well. There's also sort of, and I do remember this term from the ranting that went on in the last episode, but I believe, and I don't remember whether it was you or me who coined (laughs) the term anarchy bros. That would be me. That would be (laughs) I think that it's relevant to say though, and and I'm not picking on anybody particular in here or anything like that, but when you're reading online, especially in certain radical circles, you do see a certain kind of mentality that can come out. And one criticism that is regularly um, leveraged against radical movements is that they are not open to people who are not like them, yes. you know, that they are not diverse or they're not accommodating or they're not, yeah, that they're just not open to anything. So, yeah. And I feel like that's, it's tricky too, when, when you're on the fringe and you want, you want to be seen as accommodating. So mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's always a little bit difficult when it comes to that sort of lip service. It's like, I always kind of raise my eyebrow a little bit because I'm like, are you saying that because you know, that's the right thing to say or, or not. Right. Right. And it, it's kind of sad that we have to, to yeah. play that game, but yeah. it does seem like that we do. I am, I am skeptical said, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, <laughs> And I think that's that's changing to some extent too, but that's a whole other mm-hmm. issue for a whole other podcast probably. But all of those things aside, I think that it's still, it's ultimately an essay book worth reading because I felt like I came away with it feeling like I connected with people who I don't normally connect myself with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an essay called How I Stopped Worrying and Learned to Love TV um, by David L. Hoyt and... I actually went through a really similar experience recently. So when I finished reading this essay about how um, 
he basically gave in and watched some Star Trek with his kid and nobody died. (laughs) After two years of not watching TV, they were like, screw it, basically. And I can relate to that. I mean, I'm not hardcore in the sense of being an anarchist or anything like that. Um, You work for... I work for the man. (laughs) The man pays my bills. (laughs) Um, But I still feel like, hey, there's this thing that I totally connect with this guy on. Like, I, too, did not want to watch TV until two. And I hit 18 months. And I was like, "Uh, my child is sick. Curious George it is. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess we should talk about that a little more because screen time is one of those things that you can read so many different opinions about. Oh my God. (laughs) So many different physician groups and this group and that group recommend this and that. And that, yeah. I mean, I remember in, in sort of preparing to be a dad reading about that topic and finding, yeah, no screen until they're two at the earliest or it really doesn't matter or don't do it ever. And, you know, (laughs) look at their, I don't know. There are all sorts of studies that are. Yeah. I mean the, the American, I think it's the association of American pediatrics is two, but, uh, but I mean, if you have a kid, like it's really hard. I recently wrote a column for RVA news about this very thing. It's like, it's so hard. It sucks. Like nobody, like even if you're committed to not watching TV, it still sucks to be that parent who's like, oh, we don't watch TV. <laughs> like you don't want to say it because you just know those words coming out of your mouth make you a terrible well, person. <laughs> so, th- you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make you that, but. Oh, I, it does. It does. You're questioning within yourself in the same way that we're sort of questioning. Right. Some of the authors of these essays, right? right like right. what, what's the motivation for doing it? Right. And I think in both of our cases, it wasn't coming from a place of true concern about the kids, right? right? Like that they were going to be warped somehow. I mean, maybe a little. Maybe. Well, if that had been the primary concern, you probably would have found something else. Yeah, probably. And most of the time I, I, most of the time I do, but yeah, yeah. you know, feverish kid, you got to weigh your options. That's why I enjoyed this essay, I guess, because I felt like it was a very humanizing essay that really any lay person could ultimately identify with. And I feel like that Mm. wasn't necessarily the case for a lot of the essays in this book, but this one seemed very just this is a typical parent thing that we all go through at some level if not with tv then something else that we finally just we give into and then the world doesn't end and it's okay right well you know uh, on an episode a couple of episodes back when we had lauren on the show and we were talking a little bit about um, like boycotting stores yeah and how that's something that is really difficult for some people to do. And I think it does come down to sort of compromising, figuring mm-hmm. out what's really worth it to you and prioritizing that. And then other things you maybe have to compromise on. And yeah. I think that's an excellent example of it. Like there are certain things that you're, you definitely want to do with your child or definitely don't want to do with your child. And maybe TV is not one of those things particularly, you know? And so if the TV is on, sometimes it's not the end of the world. Yeah. 
in my case, I have to say, I grew up in an environment where the TV was basically always on. Uh, so it's always been a challenge for me to get away from that. And I'll be honest and say that I've never really been successful. So I, I'm not often watching it, you would say, mm-hmm. but it's on. Yeah. And so pretty much her whole life, my child has sort of grown up with it on. That said, I have been very aware of when attention is being paid to the screen. And so far, the only time that attention is paid to the screen is when a certain children's show is on that she (laughs) really loves. And then she will be spellbound, which is great when I'm trying to bring in groceries, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I'm by myself. (laughs) I mean, the, the upside for your situation is that she probably has a better grasp at tuning stuff out than I do because you mm. never like I didn't realize that there were channels on the TV until I was like 10 ah. <laughs> like, it's a funny story my mom tells now that she told me to change the channel and I was like huh <laughs> like we did not watch TV <laughs> um and so but like but it means that I'm really one I'm really bad at tuning it out like I really can't watch TV and do anything else right. and having it on just like at a friend's house or something, if we're not watching it, it, it drives me bananas because I'm just so distracted. Mm. <laughs> so no, that's very fair. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. And, and every family deals with this in a little bit of a different way. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's one right way to deal with screen time. Yeah. But, but getting back to the book. Yes. Um, I guess that's one of the, the nice things about it is that there are these essays in there that really are humanizing, particularly if you're mm-hmm. not of the the rad subgenre. I would encourage you to read it because I felt like I was able to connect with readers I might not otherwise connect to, and I, I enjoy that type of experience. Um, right. Uh, if I can call out another yes. uh, of the essays as we're talking here, there's one called A Day at the Park mm, yes. by Sean Taylor, and uh, I assume that you've at least mm-hmm. scanned through that one. That was another one that I felt was was really a good eye-opener. Right. So in this case, it's uh, a father who's taking his child to the park and sort of the reaction that people had about him being there at the park as a person of color with his daughter and sort of how that situations that occurred. And, and it's a situation that neither of us would be in. Yeah. I mean, I... Right. I, there's this one quote from it where he says, I have been labeled uncle, babysitter, guardian, cousin, but never father. I can't tell you just how crushing a blow this is. I love being a father, and I think them becoming a better one day by day. But to have one of my greatest joys discounted is painful. And I think that reading that, you know, it, it if I'm the person who's always saying like guardian or something like that in the library, it makes me think twice. And I'm like, maybe I should just be like, hey, are you her dad? rather than going the easier route and just, if I'm not sure, being generic. Right. Well, and again, that's a societal thing, right? Because in mm-hmm. some, in an ideal setting, maybe we would always be neutral with everybody. Right. But here, the neutral is actually crushing. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and so I think that an advantage to reading a book like this or to reading, I mean, there's plenty of issues of the zine, that you can purchase that have other stories in them as well. The oh, book yeah. is not the only thing you can look at um, is that you do get a view into some of these experiences that again, we may not have on our own, 
and like we were talking about in our previous episode, being learning to be an advocate or a supporter by reading the stories of others yeah. is, is a start. Yeah. It's not the only, it's not the end, but it's certainly a start. And even if it's, I'm not necessarily trying to read all of these opinions in an effort to change my own, but it's really about looking at the experience of parenthood through the eyes of other people, even people I may not agree with about a lot of really core fundamental things. I think that that's valuable to me as a parent, because if I can kind of wrap my head around it in private, I think it's easier to wrap my head around it in public. Yeah. Or as you say, even in your professional role. Oh yeah. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. You and yeah, you encounter a lot of these issues. Yeah. So it, it, understanding how to just deal with it in civil society yeah. would be, <laughs> would be nice. <laughs> even just, well, we talked about, you know, we kind of joked about tiny humans, but I actually was in a sort of radical space not too long ago where they actually used the term tiny humans without <laughs> me supplying it. I was just like, Oh, that's so nice. It's a thing now. Um, but uh, just the idea, though, that at some point in time, some of these things could be more sort of socially acceptable mm-hmm. in terms of, I don't know, the situation that this gentleman in was in obviously should never have happened. And right. It totally sucks. And if we can keep someone else from having that same situation with us, that would be great. Yeah. So there's a lot of different stuff in here. And we may talk about some other essays you know, in other episodes just because they're on a topic that interests us or, or because we think it's an especially good uh, story. But you can certainly check out the book. Uh, it's available, again, from a lot of different places. Uh, PM Press, I believe, is the publisher that puts it out these days. And you can get it in ebook form, which is how we read it, or in paper form. Lots of options there. And again, the zine's available as well. You can pick up a whole bunch of copies. I know they did some around the time. I think they did some around the time of like Ferguson and and, Mm -hmm. uh, when Black Lives Matter was first getting started about sort of working with your children in those sorts of situations or in in sort of movements where you're out on the street and how you deal with that. And again, that might not be something that everyone deals with. But some people do. Yeah. And, and even if you don't, I think it's still an interesting thing to see yeah. or to read about. And it's also, it's a really short book. I know some, mm. some big books of essays end up being tomes and I can just never get through it because it's just, it's crushing. <laughs> but um, I felt that this was a really easy to read book. Like I could just sit down over a weekend and, and get this read. Well, and I, I, it's it's something, as with all essay books, that you can sort of pick and choose. Yeah. If there is something that doesn't appeal to you, skip to the next one and see if you mm. like that better. Yeah. I did like that it was organized by the age of the children. Yeah. Um, I found that very, very helpful because it, I'm at a certain stage, and so I kind of felt like, well, these are the ones that are probably going to speak to me more over in this section. Right. I will just say, too, it, it it's interesting to me for us to talk about this a second time. Because the first time, I think we were generally more negative about this book. I think so. And I think that it helped to not just not just um, remember the one essay that really, really <laughs> ground my gears. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mention it. Barely. <laughs> I think that having, honestly, even just a few more months of mm-hmm. experience as parents might help, too. Yeah. Because it... Parenting is so much about the individual experience between the caretaker and the 
the kid. Yeah, it really is. And so the stories aren't telling you what to do. They're telling you about one person's experience. And to me, that makes me sort of less angry about it to say, you know, I would never do that with my kid. They're They're not not telling telling you to to do. Right. Right. And I, I think that that's actually a good strength for the book as a whole. I think that a lot of parenting essays do kind of go into that, do this, not that territory. And I think that this book actually does a pretty good job of avoiding that. I mean, there's one essay called, what is it? Like, how not to talk to your children about going to the anti-war rally, but it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a whole page and a half. <laughs> right. It, it, yeah. It's not a how-to book for yeah. parenting. In fact, the subtitle of the book is Dispatches from the Frontiers of Fatherhood, which it really could just be parenthood. Although there are some father-specific things that are in it. I think some of the essay, like the one about the screen time. Yeah, that one would be something. I think yeah. some of the other ones do try their hand at talking about feminism to some more successful than others. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there is Hip Mama, the zine, yeah. but I, I don't know if it's exactly the same. I can't say that I've read it, so I I, I don't have enough you. experience with it myself yeah. to really... So we may have to yeah. talk about that on a future <laughs> episode. But if you like Rad Dad, or you've read some of the essays that you find especially interesting you'd like us to talk about on the show, uh, you can check our website, soundcloud.com slash otterlyrad, O-T-T-E-R-L-Y-R-A-D. You can subscribe there, you can leave us comments, or you can subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's always appreciated. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, the show is online at Otterly Rad, though it doesn't tweet very often. I may have to try and fix that. But uh, You act like it just I, tweets on its own. <laughs> it's just sentient. It's, it's, uh, it's raven. <laughs> it's so raven. But um, we... Um, <laughs> I occasionally tweet at Jess Nathan. And I'm at We Hermione. So you can definitely get in touch with us that way. And uh, let us know what you think. We're always interested in what you have to say. Or if, heck, you would like to be a guest on the show sometime, let us know. We would love to talk to more people about some of these sorts of things. So until next time, I hope everyone stays utterly rad. Oh wow! There is a there's q and A Q&A in this for, with Tanishi Coates, or Tanahashi Coates. Tanahashi. Tana I thought it was Tanahashi. Tana I thought it was Tanahashi. That's it. But yeah, there's a website there's a for that. Did you know that? There's a website sure there where is. you can find authors saying their names, which is how I know how to say Raina Telgemeier. It's so there's a website just so it's not just devoted to that person. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, it's like a website for authors to say their names. Allowed. That's hilarious. But I th- I oh, allowed. Like That's even kids. better. Okay. But I could wow. be very wrong, in which case people should definitely write in and tell us.